0: Ready for your weekly tech fix? Want to know how technology sets us free? Well, get ready, because here it comes. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, entrepreneur and technophile, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge
1: brain. And now, here's Brian. Here I am, the Rembrandt of the podcast canvas, ready for another exciting episode of Sovereign Tech. Or at least I hope people find it to be exciting. But uh, if you don't, Send me an email and, uh, you know, let me know, hey, I don't think your show is exciting enough or you don't talk about sex enough, which, (laughs) yeah, right. Uh, Anyway, on location again, well, sort of on location, my location presently, er, my position presently is standing. Um, I am actually using a uh, makeshift standing desk. Uh, and I'm using the Blue Yeti microphone, which I also used last week, and I didn't get any negative uh, reviews on using the the uh, Blue Yeti last week. So I'm guessing it's okay to use for right now. And the standing desk I'm using—it's actually what it really is. It's one of these. If you're ever in a hospital, not that I ever want you to be in one of those ever for any reason whatsoever, uh, really, you know, I'm not. A, I'm not a huge fan of of, of hospitals. Like, I don't know. It's, there's just like the feeling of death. And they smell kind of funny, and but maybe that's just me. But anyway, if you if you notice, like in a hospital around the bed, they have like a tray that you can put food on, or that you can play cards on, or something. I think some people even call these card tables. Like I think I remember my grandmother calling this like a kind of a card table type thing. But anyway, it's adjustable; it goes up and down. Uh, you know, so you could actually sit with it. It's not something that you have to stand at, but you can stand at it, which is great. And you know, standing, sitting is one of the most unhealthy things that you can do. Now, I mean, I can get into, I could like link in the show notes maybe to an article about, uh, you know, the benefits of sitting versus standing, but it's been talked about before. And obviously I subscribe to the paleo lifestyle. My listeners are well aware of that. And uh, I've recently been reading the primal connection and that's talked quite a bit about this. And then that like, you know, sitting just like I mean, the body's just not designed to do it, you know. Uh, I mean, in fact, if you are to, like, essentially sit, if you, you know, if, if cavemen essentially were, were going to stand around a fire uh, or hang out around a fire, they wouldn't, like, cop a squat on, on a rock. They would actually literally just squat, you know, like like with their knees up to their shoulders, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so So sitting in and of itself isn't really a natural thing. Now, that doesn't mean every Sovereign Tech that I'm going to do from now on is going to be from the standing position, but I'm giving it a shot. And, uh, yeah, like I say, we kind of, we're doing a little bit of location here for the past couple of weeks, which is, which is nice. Speaking of locations next weekend, uh, I will be at the Bitcoin conference 2013 in San Jose. I've got my press pass. I am ready to go because sovereign tech is that big of a deal. Well, I don't know if it's that big of a deal, but in any case, they were kind enough to give me a press pass. And so uh, not next week's episode, but the following episode, or maybe for a a midweek special that I enjoy doing, uh, maybe I'll be getting some interviews there. And um, we, uh, Stephanie Murphy and I, the lovely and hyper intelligent Stephanie Murphy, we got some new uh, mobile recording equipment, thanks to uh, our listeners, our, you know, from the various shows, be it Pork Therapy or Free Talk Live or um, uh, or Sovereign Tech, of course. Uh, you know, going to the Amazon link at porktherapy.com or at sovereigntech.com. And actually, you know, through through using that link to get stuff through Amazon, we've gotten some new mobile recording equipment, which is really exciting. And I actually did, a spe- we did a special about it uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, so you can listen to that on the SoundCloud page if you want to. Go to soundcloud.com slash Sovereign uh, Anyway, let's get into the stories. Um, and what we've got this week is from the Electronic Frontier Fund Foundation. If you're not sure what the EFF is, definitely get... Uh, Acquainted with them because they're one of the few company or one of the few uh, nonprofits out there, one of the few organizations really out there that definitely has your best interests at heart. In my opinion, Uh, they're very, very much concerned with privacy. Um, They do. I mean, okay, of course, I'm an anarchist and I don't want any kind of political process to be, you know, even thought about. But uh, they do, admittedly, use the political process, you know, to, to to hash things out. They do lobbying. They do all that stuff. Um, but again, is it an organization with your best, you know, definitely with with the the right heart in it? No doubt about it. They they really are. They're they're a bunch of good guys. I've I've actually met a, a few of the people that that help run that uh, in the past, and they are just class X. Every every single one of them. So every year, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, they actually come out with um with kind of what they call a who has your back article. Uh this one that we'll be looking at is from January 2013. Obviously, you can find it in the show notes if you uh, subscribe to the show through a podcast feed. Uh the show notes are there or if you go to sovereigntech.com, the show notes are there. Um as well as on SoundCloud. And this 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 is interesting. What what they do is they kind of take the biggest and 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 if you go if you click on the link You'll see, you know, a whole chart that shows a lot of the big companies, or at least the companies that a lot of people use, um, and it kind of rates their privacy based on uh, six different factors. Uh, One is okay. Like, we'll take the first the first company on the list is Amazon, uh, and the first uh, section of the chart or of the the graph is requires a warrant for content. Uh, The second one is tells users about government data requests. Uh, the third is publishes transparency reports. The fourth is publishes law enforcement guidelines. The fifth is fights for users' privacy rights in courts. That's, that's a pretty big one. Uh, and then the last one is fights for users' privacy rights in Congress. Okay, obviously, again, I'm an anarchist. I wish these companies didn't have to fight with any kind of court or Congress. Uh, but... Let's let's take a look at them, and I mean th- th- these are big companies: Amazon, Apple, AT and T, Comcast, Dropbox, Facebook, Foursquare, Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft, even MySpace, which I guess still exists uh, thanks to Justin Timberlake, uh, Sonic.net, uh, uh Twitter, Tumblr, Verizon, WordPress, and Yahoo. So really, I mean that, that's a pretty good gauge of the internet, you know, and and, and what. You know of like the major companies that, that people use especially like i mean google like covers so much of the internet you know uh that i mean that that's almost like the only one you really want to even ask about so let's who's the best let's, let's 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 just cut you we'll cut right to the chase on that who is the best company um as far as you know that meets all those criteria that requires a warrant for content tells users about government data requests Uh, publishes transparency reports and publishes law enforcement guidelines, fights for user privacy rights in courts and for privacy rights in Congress. Um, You know, who's the, who is the absolute best? Amazingly, out of all those companies, I just rattled off. There's only two that meet all six criteria that do all that, that fight for your rights in the courts and Congress. Uh, You know, they, they show their law enforcement guidelines uh, which that's the most common one that most of them follow. But also they publish their own transparency reports, which I do have a question about one of these as far as that goes. But anyway, the two companies that do all six are Sonic.net and Twitter. Okay, Sonic.net is a little... Sonic.net, if you're not sure what that is, that's kind of a miracle story on the internet, uh, or as far as internet goes. Sonic.net is, is an ISP. It's an internet service provider, very similar to Comcast and Verizon or, or or Time Warner, whoever you happen to use. And they're only in like Southern California, but impressively, they offer gigabit internet. They, yeah, they offer fiber. They offer a ju- service... Just as fast as Google Fiber, which you have talked about in the past on the show. Uh, so SonicNet is really, really something, uh, and and they're a little company, but somehow they're pulling this off. Um, so anyway, a little company that that clearly does has you know has their heart in the right place. They're, they do all six of these. They fight for your rights everywhere they can. They let you know what they're doing. They have really, really good transparency, um, and they require perhaps one of the most important things is that they do require a warrant regardless of the Patriot Act, they require a warrant from government officials to take a look at your stuff. Um, So Sonic.net follows all those. The other company, Twitter, apparently does all that. But here's my problem. We've talked about this in the past on this show, and also on Pork Therapy, you can go to PORCtherapy.com to listen to some of that. But I know I've talked about it there too, and Stephanie has talked about it on there, that Twitter will take down um, or maybe I talked about on on Free Talk Live. Anyway, Twitter will take down posts if governments, if, if the local government, this has happened in Australia in particular, and Iran and Saudi Arabia have recently talked about doing this, um, where they're going to say to Twitter, no, you need to take that down. Okay, you, you know, you can't, you can't, those tweets have to go. So, and from what I understand, you know, and I've tried to look into this, and I haven't really found a clear answer on this, other than, than or not a clear answer from Twitter, the users I found clear answers from because they've said, uh, you know, the users of, of Twitter that had their, their tweets taken down said that, yeah, they didn't tell me. I just noticed, you know, that they were gone, that they were down. So Twitter's transparency, that's the only star I really question um, is that because it says that they that they do publish. Uh, transparency reports, and that they tell users about government data requests. Both of those I don't think are accurate. So SonicNet may be the only one that fits all of these, okay, that fits all six criteria for who's got you, who has your back, according to the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Um, Let's see, what what companies come in uh, next as far as the best? Uh, Dropbox has five out of the six. The only one that they don't do is they will not go to court to fight for your for your your you the user for your privacy rights, um, but otherwise they do it all. They'll they'll fight in Congress. They they tell you about uh, government data requests. They, they ask for a warrant, uh, so they're pretty good. So Dropbox is pretty good. You know, I mean, if you're getting five out of these six, any one of them, that's that's pretty great. Uh, the the only the other company that has that many is Google, which I have talked about Google in the past. Of course, I am. It's arguably you know I I wouldn't be offended. <laughs> If someone called me a Google fanboy, because I I can imagine I I look like that, Uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, But, but Google, they, the only one they don't tell you, or the star that they don't have, okay, on this graph, the on this chart, the, they don't, they, they don't tell you when the government makes data requests, okay? Now, there have been cases where, and we talked about it on this show, I know, before, where they do require from the FBI and CIA. Hey, you come here with a warrant, you know, or we're not telling you anything. However, I have heard some people say that they, that that's very superficial of them, that, you know, they, they just like kind of make that look good or something. And that, that they actually don't, maybe that's true. I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, but according to the electronic frontier foundation, that is not true that they will require a warrant Uh, for you to do that but then again the the eff i think is clearly wrong about twitter or granted those twitter cases that i was talking about those are from february of 2013 and this article is from january of 2013 so maybe they were still right at that time uh so take it for what you will you know like i say you can look at this uh in the show notes and i found the real interesting one Okay, well, let's talk about Facebook. Everybody supposedly uses Facebook. I'm not sure why. Uh, But everybody uses Facebook, and they only do three. They require a warrant for content, okay, and they publish law enforcement guidelines, and they will fight for user privacy rights in Congress. Those are the only three that they do. They do not go to the courts. They do not publish transparency reports. They don't publish any kind of reports. Um, I've actually... Full disclosure, I've invested in Facebook and I've been nothing but uh, displeased in what they even care to tell investors. Um, So you can picture how little they tell users, you know what I mean? Not not that users are second class citizens or something, but just that as investors, you're supposed to be given confidence by a company when like uh, when call reports come out and everything and they are not good at it at all. Um, In fact, they they turn it into like a show. So it's almost like they're trying to go style over substance. And while I am a huge fan of style, I love style. uh, I need some substance when it comes to where my money is. And they're not doing a good job as as far as that goes. So anyway, so it's not a shock for me for Facebook to only do like three of these. And in comparison to the other companies, Uh, Microsoft actually does a better job than Facebook. I don't know what that's worth. But uh, where Microsoft falls in, they won't tell... They won't tell you about government data requests for your information um, and they won't go to the courts for you, which kind of makes sense. I mean, Microsoft's had a, you know, really, if you ever want to see something tragic, go to YouTube and like type in Bill Gates Supreme Court and it'll bring up his case from the from the mid 90s. Where they were trying to, where the the United States Supreme Court was going after Microsoft for antitrust laws, uh, essentially saying Microsoft's too big, we got to stop this. And if you read into that, boy, it is just such a sad story because like there's points where Steve Ballmer is saying, "Look, they had they had Bill crying," and that is madness. For I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of Microsoft. Okay, I'm not, but. To bring company to bring somebody who did, who did this incredible success story, okay, which is Microsoft, to get him to that point, I I think that's abuse on such a high level, um, and and that's that's so deplorable uh, by by an entity, namely the government. Um, if you ever needed a reason, you know, for governments to not exist, I mean, there's a million of them, but there's one in the million. Uh, anyway, just a sad story. If you've never looked into that, I recommend checking that out. Maybe I'll talk, maybe I'll do a special about it at some point, because I think that that was actually a real turning point in the evolution of computers, uh, was when Bill Gates, when that Supreme Court case was going on. But anyway, after that Supreme Court case, let's talk about the company that had a tremendous rise starting in 1998 with the introduction of the iMac. Of course, we're talking about Apple. Apple is the only company on this list. Uh, well, they're not the worst company on this list. The worst company on this list is Verizon because they have, they had, I mean, no stars. You know, they they don't do any of it. They they'll, they'll take your information down. They don't care. They uh, they don't fight for you in Congress. They don't publish transparency reports. Um, they are what what an atrocity of a company here uh, if you're gauging by these EFF standards. Uh, Verizon is great because you know. Or I, I, I wouldn't dare say Verizon is great. Uh, Verizon has you know, has clout because literally there's signal and services everywhere. If it was not for that, I don't know that anybody would even use Verizon. I mean, they, they have they have terrible, terrible business models. Uh, you know and, and they're the ones that are like behind all these like six strike uh, you know plans. You know, where, where if you're if, uh, if a user with their Internet is downloading just such and so much uh, gigabytes a month that they're going to warn you. Now, the six strikes thing isn't that big of a deal to worry about. But even just the just the insinuation of what they're saying, I think, is offensive and should be offensive to any consumer. And they're really the worst as far as that goes. Uh, so Verizon is the worst of the bunch in, in this company or in, in this group of companies um followed also by yahoo which only has one star which they will fight for your rights in the courts uh, which i guess that's good um you know if, if they're willing to go to court with you that that's nice but they they offer no transparency reports and i'm not knocking yahoo so much i actually i expect yahoo to be a big deal in the next five years um, largely due to, as long as they keep uh, Marissa Meyer on board, who is a, a, tre- a tremendous CEO she uh, and, and a tremendous mind um, in the computer world. She's really very, very responsible for a lot of the wonderful things that we use today on the internet. Uh, so hopefully, I expect her to do great things with Yahoo. Uh, one of the things I'd like for her to do is to follow, she wor- originally worked for Google, for those that don't know, and she helped design Gmail and things like that. Uh, hopefully, she will bring... <laughs> Um, you know, some of Google's, like, taste for, you know, having the users back, like this article is all about, uh, you know, to to Yahoo and, and get rid of this, like, you know, that they only care about this one little thing about going to the courts, which may be the most important, I grant you. But um, anyway, the other company, the other two companies, AT&T and Apple are both tied for one star with that they will only fight for your rights in congress that's the only they they don't tell you about data requests from the government they don't publish transparency reports obviously apple doesn't do that because apple has to uh apple likes to (laughs) as a a business model and i'm not saying this is a bad one if i owned apple i might do the same thing but what they like to do is they they like to make you like they'll they'll screw up just like any company does you know i mean apple's a great company but they'll they'll screw up like any company any company does but what they'll do is apple uniquely will make it seem like that they weren't screwing up that it was actually all part of the plan okay (laughs) so (laughs) why why would they would they you know print out a a transparency report of course they wouldn't they don't want you to know when they mess up is my point so Anyway, I mean, t- take that for what you want. I mean, people talk about how Apple is so secure. Well, clearly they're not. They're secure in perhaps contrast to the rest of the Internet, to the rest of the world. But as far as towards governments, they're they're not that secure. Interestingly, though, and this is kind of off topic, um, but interestingly, the government has recently purchased a lot of Apple products. The United States government, the United States military, I should say, in particular, not the government. The United States military has recently bought a lot of iPads. Oddly, they modified the iPads. Okay, now I was in the army, um, and I actually worked with communications equipment in the army, amongst a million other things. Um, I was thirty-seven F for those that know what that means. And the the iPad, like, I'm wondering, what did they want? They removed things, and I'm wondering what exactly they removed. Nobody knows. Just that that report's kind of out there that they did modifications. Um, which is similar to what the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, does, where when they buy stuff from other countries, like when they buy weapons from, say, the United States, they actually modify all the weapons before they get out on the field. What do they do with those? That's a good question, not something I'd even really feel comfortable about talking about on this show. Um, But anyway, so these are the companies that, you know, either do or don't have your back but it's a good representation uh you know we're back on topic here it's a good representation of the major companies that people use and just how far off you know these companies are with with protecting you now i really wish that that twitter like that i had more confidence in the statement about twitter that twitter just does all this across the board and maybe i'd use twitter more if so uh i've recently kind of learned the potential of twitter where i didn't understand it before but now i do Uh, i can talk about that in a listener email if someone's really curious about what i think my thoughts on all these various social networks Um, not from a like philosophical standpoint should i use a social network but like what do i think of each social network we can talk about that if someone's interested um but yeah it's amazing and really you know i mean obviously i'm more than happy to say that google comes out of this really with with flying colors by this by the standard of this report Uh, because everybody's like oh google's you know google's uh they're recording everything they know about you you know which i don't care but i can understand a person's need for you know privacy and security and that they don't like that but then take heart because according to this report by the electronic frontier foundation google in comparison to most companies is on your side this is brian sovereign and i'll be right back with more sovereign tech Are you tired of people wasting away all their precious time? Then stop using the same social media as them. Google Plus is a centralized hub for all of your Google services, your ideas, and your passions. Google Plus has a much more international user base, as to where other forms of social media center around so-called developed nations that really don't do anything exciting in the first place. Google Plus has almost no spam and has very few cat pictures, pictures of police or anything else government related. Stop using Facebook. You have an alternative. Start using Google Plus today. Tech Roulette. You want to play? It is time for Tech Roulette uh, where I cover the stories that get sent to me through various forms, be it uh, even still Facebook amazingly. Um, Google Plus uh, again, if you want to, let me tell you, Google+, if you want to connect, you can, I am, this is an open offer to my listenership, to my listeners, come and connect with me directly with my Google+, page, which I use, as far as social media right now, it is the one I use the most. And it's my personal Google+, page, it's linked to at it, SovereignTech.com, it's also in the show notes, it's uh, gplus.to slash Brian Sovereign, and of course that's s o v r y n. but look me up okay circle me put me in your acquaintances or following or whatever you can comment all the time there's there's quite a few people that i you know i get quite a few plus ones and all that stuff uh, you know from a lot of listeners so you know you can come right there and connect with me you can share stories with me uh you know do whatever you like or you can also use sovereigntech.com itself to submit posts to submit questions um you know all of that so you know, don't hesitate to use any of those forms. Also, of course, there's the email address sovereigntech at hush.ai. Uh, this article is actually from Daryl W. Perry. Uh, yes, that Daryl, who's also on uh, Free Talk Live. He has his own um, his own podcast as well that he does, or actually, radio. It's a pretty much a radio show, a live radio show that he does. Um, and he runs FPP.CC. Uh, so you can check him out there, but anyway, he shared this with me and I, I think this is a fantastic story. Uh, it's from Wired and it's by Keith Berry, the 10 year old inventor in the world's cutest patent drawing. <laughs> okay. So what's this all about? Uh, as a lawyer who works in Silicon Valley in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Len Nanneroni has helped his fair share of tech companies. But the most important startup he's advised is much closer to home. His 10-year-old son, Owen, a budding inventor and entrepreneur. What is this? A 10-year-old entrepreneur? <laughs> At the nanner home in suburban Boston one recent Sunday, father and son discuss Owen's latest invention, uh, a golf tee that records the speed and angle of the club to analyze a swing. Len is outgoing and energetic, but Owen remains quiet, his eyes partially hidden by his shock of brown hair. And Owen's a 10-year-old. He deftly peels the protective cover off an uh, alkaline battery as if shelling a peanut. while Dad explains the impetus for the design. See, Owen takes golf lessons, and his coach uses a swing analyzer that's just too big and clunky for Owen. Uh, They have these huge machines, Owen says, momentarily taking his eyes off the battery. Len chimes in. He said, Dad, can't they put all that stuff in a golf tee? So what they're talking about is there's these... You know, you have these analyzers that, like, you know, analyze your form and everything, and usually it's something that kind of wraps around the waist or whatever. I don't know if any of my listeners uh, play golf. But, um, yeah, it is kind of cumbersome, and I can imagine on a 10-year-old boy just how maddening that would be. And so the kid just one day says, why can't that all just be put in the golf club? You know, I mean, we have all this technology, all these sensors. Like, look how many sensors are inside a cell phone. I don't know if he was realizing that, but the point is sound, and it's the same. Anyway, back to the article. So the two go to work on what has to be the world's cutest patent application, a drawing of a golf tee that shows where a small camera will go. Inside the ball, a GPS sensor will determine how far the ball travels. Together, the sensor and camera will send data to a smartphone for instant swing analysis. It's supposed to track speed and distance, Owen says. Len and Owen posted the design on Quirky, the user-submitted design website, where the two have a joint account. Ostensibly, Dad helped out because Owen's too young to submit things to quirky. So, right, because we have these, like, kind of crazy labor laws, you know, child labor laws or whatever, that, interestingly, is keeping this kid from, from filing a patent. Why can't a 10-year-old file a patent? There shouldn't be patents in the first place, of course. I mean, in my opinion, patents do nothing, and I'm not the only person in the tech field that feels the patents are destroying everything. Okay, but... Uh, why can't why can't a ten year old kid file a patent? You know, if I mean if there's these big patent clauses or you know these these big uh, you know patent organizations that that watch everything that goes in there and goes through. Well, then if they don't think the kid's design's good enough, then it, then it doesn't have to go through. Why can't a little kid file a patent anyway? Um, but it's clear Len is having as much fun as Owen. Owen accompanies his father on business trips where the youngster gets to see grown ups who think just like him, meaning entrepreneurs. It's a good chance to talk with professionals about coding his Arduino, learn the merits of their fiber optic cables, or just play video games. Uh the swing analyzer still needs work though. You know, real quick, let's go back to that. So so this this 10-year-old kid Owen is going around with his dad Len to all these business meetings, okay? And he was doing that long before he did he you know, long before he decided, long before the 10-year-old decided, "Hey, you know, I want I want all these sensors. Why can't it just be in the golf club? I don't want to wear all this clunky stuff. You know, let, let's let's make this simple. Let's make this simple enough for a child, which is a, a great a great prospect, a great way for an entrepreneur to think, in my opinion. And I wonder how much of that, how much of that attitude, how much of that thought process, how much of that questioning came from the fact that his dad doesn't treat him like a child and actually lets him hang out during all these business meetings. Now, it's interesting. Steve Jobs did the same thing with his own kid. They got to, you, you know, they, they got to see all this incredible stuff, or at least his son anyway, got to see all this incredible stuff going on that, you know, I, I mean, it's invaluable, especially for a child, you, you, you know, to, to, to see entrepreneurship. And the whole development process, as ridiculous as some of it is, like the patent system, okay, but to get that, that kind of education, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, is that, is that, that's magic. That's so wonderful uh, for kids to be able to do that. And, and, and you know, and, and this is kind of a, si- a sidetrack on this, but really, let's face facts, the Internet is allowing for this to be so. Because the Internet is allowing for information uh, to be decentralized. And what I mean by that, and it's allowing for education, what I mean by that is that it allows for education to be decentralized, okay, to where you don't have to be stuck at a desk anymore. You can actually get out there, and when it calls for face-to-face situations, like these meetings that Owen goes to with his dad, he gets to be right there and experience it. Oh, I I am envious of that kind of education. Um, I mean, I was fortunate enough growing up to watch my dad do his thing. You know, and um, but but I what I would have I would have loved to have been in the boardrooms, you know, to see to see how all that worked. And I can only imagine how that would have affected my ability to understand human nature, human action and how business is done. I mean, I think I have a pretty good grasp of it. I mean, I, I can. Of course, I'm speaking for myself. I think I have a pretty good grasp of that stuff anyway, fortunately, but I can only imagine what opportunity I, I missed out on. Um, but anyway, so this is fantastic. I I, I love this. So we'll keep going with the article. Uh, the swing analyzer still needs work though. Father and son are looking for just the right camera to put in the tea. Owen saw a pinhole camera in a toy catalog and thinks that might work. And he plans to scour fries next time he accompanies his father to Silicon Valley. Then he'll have what he needs to build the tea. Uh, it's not that small yet, but it will be eventually, Owen said. Once it's done, he hopes his golf instructor will take note. Probably, they'd replace those machines. Uh, For Owen's parents, however, the product isn't as important as the process. Owen didn't quite fit in uh, a traditional school environment where he got into trouble and clashed with students and teachers. He's homeschooled by his mother, Corey, now. Fantastic. Good. (laughs) Um, You know, something I always tell people... um, or and this this actually came from uh from someone I know a guy named Harlan who said be a troublemaker. And think about that. Okay. <laughs> because and 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 look at this kid actually look at Owen's story here. This 10-year-old kid who's who's homeschooled and look at what's happening. He's already inventing and filing patents at 10 years old. <laughs> because And and I mean, and, and granted, you know, maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I can only imagine that at school he was so bored with this run of the mill humdrum nonsense that they just force feed you as far as learning goes in the average school, even in private schools, they're not that much better unless it's like Montessori or something. Um, and yet, you know, let him out and unleash the child and he starts inventing things, (laughs) you know, uh, amazing anyway so kudos to the parents for for recognizing no wait a minute the problem's not with my child the problem's with the education system you know and and clearly they're so proud and we'll we'll keep going here um Although the classroom may not have worked out for him, Owen's always been comfortable opening things up, taking them apart, and figuring out how they work. It started at age six, when he took all the doors in his house off their hinges. Since then, he's pulled worn-out televisions and lawnmowers from the trash to disassemble them, and even once took apart his father's computer, an incident Len laughed off with an eye roll. Clearly, it wasn't the only time Owen's curiosity had gotten in the way of normal household operations. Uh, Owen's parents believe drawing patent applications and thinking of new inventions is a great way for Owen to focus his energy, which might otherwise get him into trouble. They created a workspace for him in the basement, an orderly table with discarded electronics in various states of disassembly, set amidst his sisters' dollhouses and toys. It's where Owen learned to solder, and where he recently spent an afternoon swapping out a blown fuse and a scrap TV he and his dad picked from the trash during a father-son expedition to the dump. Tinkering allows owen to do things that interest him while also learning about math and science no less important he's learning to follow through and finish what he starts the goal is to take these skills and channel them in the right direction said cory uh that's that's owen's mother considering that owen is 10 that may be the hardest part of all after proudly showing off his workshop owen decided it was time to show off his reptile collection until an iguana got loose in the living room Beyond his school curriculum, Owen attends a local after-school program where scientists and engineers help kids with hands-on projects like a smart golf tee. Corey says it's a good chance for Owen to interact with adults and learn problem-solving skills in a way that the traditional elementary school environment doesn't encourage. For Owen, leaving school also meant following in the footsteps of his role model, Sir Richard Branson. Well, that a good role model to have. <laughs> uh, like Branson, Owen is dyslexic. Also, like Branson, Owen wants to make a lot of money. Bravo boy. <laughs> and he's well on his way. When he fixes something, he sells it on Craigslist and has already made enough money to pay for half of a small 16-foot boat he shares with his father. To a 10-year-old, it might as well be a yacht, an auspicious, auspicious beginning uh, for a young entrepreneur. And I mean, I'm, I'm, right now, you can't see this. There's no video, obviously i'm i'm smiling ear to ear (laughs) i i love it uh i'm 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 impressed by the parents not to say they're perfect parents okay but i'm impressed that they recognized again i said this earlier that there's nothing wrong with their child their child just has i mean even the dyslexia is not a problem go ahead and tell sir richard branson the head of virgin one of the richest men on the planet go ahead and tell him that dyslexia makes him stupid and makes him unsuccessful. No, (laughs) obviously not as to where I'm sure the public school system, actually my oldest brother uh, is dyslexic and the school did call him stupid and uh, you know, made all kinds of crazy claims. And I can assure you my, I I, I think I've mentioned my older brother uh, before on this show. He is very far from stupid. Um, So you know, the, the, I, I'm impressed. That the parents recognize that, took him into homeschooling, is allowing him. I mean, the, the, the Owen already knows how to solder. You know, they're they're engaging his interests, be it an iguana or an old television that he's got to replace the fuse on. Uh, that that is fantastic. Clearly, I would assume this article, you know, would not have gotten out without the parents you know saying okay no yeah because i mean they don't want their son to come off in some kind of bad light but for the parents to have no problem with the idea that my son wants money that is so that's part of why i'm grinning ear to ear that is so precious that is so wonderful okay i mean that you know to to really to to just to teach the child yeah to, you know, to, to, to encourage, to help the child, encourage the child, you know, to, to want money, that that's okay. Oh man. (laughs) I mean, that, that is impressive beyond compare. Equally impressive is that when they talked about, okay, so, so this kid still does, Owen still goes to school a little bit. Um, and in going to school, he, you know he does like an after-school program where there's other kids, okay, that that are working on projects similar to his his golf uh, golf club idea. Uh, and but here's what notice what the parents say. It's a great. This is his mother talking. It's a great opportunity for him to interact with other adults. So so amazing. You know, I I would not begin to tell anybody how to raise children. Okay not without being asked. But if you were to ask me what, in my opinion, in my own personal opinion, and I, and I don't claim to have any grand impressive knowledge about this. Okay. But what, in my opinion, is the number one thing, you know, how, how to raise a child, treat them like an adult as soon as you can, as soon as you see it. That can be at 10 years old. That can be at six years old. Don't treat them like a fool don't treat them like somebody with a lack of knowledge. Fine. There's a lack of experience there. Then guide them with that. Guide them. Don't force them. Guide them. Okay. And look what happens. <laughs> Here it is. This kid's wired at 10 years old because he's filing, he's already inventing things and filing patents. And how ridiculous that he had to do it with, I mean, it, it's great that him and his dad are getting this time together. Okay. To, you know, to working with this patent system because quirky the the this this kind of like social patent system uh you know doesn't allow probably someone i'm guessing someone under 13 probably or under 18 even uh you know can't can't file so his dad has to do it with him but look at i mean if his dad didn't what if he was what if this kid still did all these inventions okay or still did this invention and his parents weren't as loving or as uh you know as encouraging as as they seem to be by this article You know what would he do then he can't he can't invent if his parents wouldn't help him out if his dad wouldn't like you know be the person to to do all the legal stuff on on quirky what a shame to hinder somebody i i mean that's where this you, you we pay for all these like you know gigantic legal systems why can't they just handle things on a case by case instead of laying out these, these arbitrary laws and ages and all this stuff. Come on. You know, I, this little, little off track, something that that's always annoyed me. Okay. I remember when I was in third grade and you had to read a book a week. And I remember the first time that we had to do that. I went into, I went up to the teacher and I had, um, star wars heir to the empire by timothy zahn now this is a 500 page novel and i'm in third grade okay and i was like okay this is what i read like what do you mean you didn't you know they looked at me like i was crazy you you didn't read that you know because it's an adult you know novel or no of course i read it i read it and i read it with glee i had a smile on my face and i understood everything was going on you think i can't grasp lightsabers in third grade come on and so there's these expectations. They they put these like like ages on things. So it's like, well, this is uh, recommend recommended for people from the ages of nine to twelve and all that stuff. Not nah, get out of here. <laughs> It's something I love. I love Legos. Okay. Legos, eventually it gets, they do the same thing where they say, okay, these like Duplos are meant for kids from like, you know, one to six or something. And then everything else is from seven to 12. But then it gets to a point where the complexity of Legos, the, the, the age actually changes to where it turns from like, this is recommended from 12 plus. I love that. I love the plus. Why? Because what it means is it's from for everybody doesn't matter if you're an adult you can be 90 years old you play with those legos baby i think that's fantastic encourage people to have this kind of fun just just a great article i really appreciate uh uh, daryl from uh, fcc.pp i'm sorry fpp.cc um you know sharing it with me and this is great if we can foster kids and if you know with with information being everywhere now entrepreneurs are 10 years old i love technology
0: are you ready? I've never seen anyone so treated like a a god in my life.
2: Brian Sovereign as guest co-host tomorrow night, and so that should be a good show. On that note, uh, what we, we just were added we're... Brian Sovereign. Okay, we haven't... Oh. Is he good? He's, he's been in the audience. He's, oh, he's yeah, certainly
1: we've... got opinions on things, yes. I'm so close to being like God. No one is above me. Okay. Absolutely no one. I don't take <laughs> orders from anybody. And I mean, that, that's how much closer to God can you get? Is there anything he doesn't do better than everyone else? Oh, that's just his way of talking. He's one of the best. Break it down. Catch Sovereign Tech, the show about technology and how it can set you free with me, Brian Sovereign. That's S O V R Y N at soundcloud.com slash Sovereign Tech. Wow.
0: Wow. It's a website of the week.
1: It is time for website of the week, where I cover websites that I consider either useful, perhaps even funny, um, or you know, j- just something that, that I think everybody, you know, maybe my listeners could enjoy, or that I've enjoyed. Um, and this week, the website falls under the funny category, which I don't know if I've ever actually like shared anything that I that I found particularly uh, funny, uh, because I'm a deadly serious person, and I I, I don't think anything's funny. Okay, just kidding. (laughs) No, this is uh, is, is a really, this is good stuff. Um, I have, I don't know how, I'm pretty sure I've discussed this to some degree on this show before um, about my passion for the 80s and the 90s, which was, particularly the 80s, whether you get it from a a conservative or a liberal uh, standpoint in the United States, um, it's called the Era of Greed. Because it seemed like all these companies, you know, corporate America was taking over everything and, you know, the sky was the limit um, as, as far as how much money you could make and all this stuff. The economy was booming, you know, uh, and that naturally overflowed into like the, the early 90s um, to where, you know, it, it just it kind of reached its apex. And in that fact, because everything was possible, and it seemed like anything you almost came up with could sell, uh, all of which is a good thing in my opinion, <laughs> some pretty crappy stuff came out. <laughs> uh, some like really over-the-top insane cheese. I mean, like the whole notion of cheesy, I don't think existed until 1995. There was the term campy, you know, which, which meant that it was kind of innocent, but cheesy as in like, it's just so over the top. I love, I love cheesy things, by the way, cheesy music. Uh, actually, I, I enjoy cheese too, uh, which is uh, not, not so good for, for a person on the paleo diet. But anyway, um, so, so you had these, just these crazy, you know, over the top commercials for things or the shows were just insanely cheesy again. And so there's a website <laughs> and it's called everythingisterrible.com spelled just how it sounds. Everythingisterrible.com. And what it is, it's a collection of all of these things that were just so nuts that, you know, that some marketing exec in, in some company that somehow just made a million dollars off of uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, you know, came up with and says, well, we can sell this. <laughs> or let, let's put like this giant, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, or like something like Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. You know, um, or there is the one with the tattoos. I can't remember the name of it now, like tattooed Zen warriors or something. And all this stuff is here (laughs) collected for you to to enjoy and to remember a time when things were just when nobody was thinking about being hungry. Nobody was worried about their house. Uh, well, I mean, yes, of course, there were some people I know, but you, you get what I mean. Overall, nobody was worried about their house being foreclosed on or everything. This, everybody said the sky was the limit. And so the most insane, you know, ideas and marketing and television shows and all that stuff. Was invented, or you know, and, and came up with and and actually put out there for the for the the you know for the mass population to consume, and so if you think you can enjoy that something like like remember the game Crossfire, Crossfire, <laughs> if you don't know, YouTube that, uh, but I'm sure it's on EverythingIsTerrible.com. It was it was a game that like shot shot ball bearings at each other or something, and had this really cheesy music to it that I just love. Uh, (laughs) anyway check it out everythingisterrible.com lots of fun I'll be right back with more
0: time now for 90 seconds on sex with Dr. Paul
2: For years, people have assumed that the more a guy has to drink at any given time, the more trouble he's going to have getting an erection. Well, that's what the research showed in the 1970s. However, recent studies have cast doubt on those earlier findings. We now know that at a blood alcohol level of 0.1, which is significantly beyond the legal limit for intoxication, there are no major negative alcohol-related effects on a penis except for the guy having to whip it out more often to relieve himself. It's likely that a lot of males will get far more wasted after a night of beer pong than that 0.1 blood alcohol level that they allow in research studies. So it's still a safe bet to assume that alcohol will have a negative effect on the erection of a man who is seriously drunk. Another factor to consider is the timing of when a man has sex. Now if he's recently been drinking and his blood alcohol level is still rising There might be less of an effect on his erection than an hour or more after he stopped drinking and his blood level is dropping or declining. The body seems to experience more fatigue and depression as blood alcohol level is declining. So that's when drinking moderate levels of alcohol might have the most negative effect on an erection.
0: For more, visit 90secondsonsex.com.
1: It is time for listener emails uh, where I go over the the various emails that, uh, you know, that get sent to me, uh, be it through SovereignTechHush.ai, through SovereignTech.com itself, um, or, you know, even on Google+, everywhere. Any way you can reach me, any way you can get your hands on me, uh, if you were interested in getting your hands on me, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I... I use it for listener email and I go eeny meeny miny mo, and I've got plenty to go through. But uh, please, just because I have a lot to do, don't hesitate to send them. Uh, also, uh, you know, I, I say this all the time, but I want to make sure it's known that if it's a question, like if it's a technology question in particular, I'm open to any questions of any kind. OK, it doesn't have to be science and technology covers such a broad scope um, that really I mean, I don't think there's any question that's really outlandish. Um so you can ask me anything. It doesn't just have to be technology related, but if it is something like science or technology related or something, um, you know, please don't, don't hesitate, uh, uh, to say that, Hey, this is kind of like time intensive. Um, you know, it's important that I kind of know now. And if it, if I am capable, okay, if I am capable, I will answer that as soon as I can. And then later I'll answer it on the air. Or if you don't want me to even answer it on the air, just say so. Um, but, there. You know, I'm a resource available to you. How about that? Uh, (laughs) uh, So I do kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo these questions. um, But I did. Here's a question that I've gotten quite a few emails about. And it was actually it's something that I that I kind of teased a few weeks back on this show where I said, I was like, look, if you want to know about that, I don't even really remember what exactly we were talking about. Or what I was talking about, but somehow I made, I know I remember making the comment that if you want to know about the book of Enoch, send me an email. If you want me to talk about it, I'll talk about it, but you got to send me an email. And I got a ton of emails <laughs> from listeners saying, okay, Hey, I want, I want to hear about the book of Enoch. Um, so thank you for the emails. Thank you for, for wanting. I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the, your desire to, to want to hear my opinion on it. Um, so the, let's get right into it the book of enoch uh you know i mean the bulk of the emails yeah i love your sh- you know hey, hey i love your show thank you i'm am, I am so glad that you love my show i am very very glad that people are entertained by this and i get emails a lot that say just that um so let's answer that first if you send me an email that says keep doing what you're doing i love your show i love what you do you know on, on various on, even on free talk live or whatever um thank you for that thank you for letting me know Uh, I really do appreciate especially like when some people like comment about Free Talk Live. Um, I'm very, very happy uh, to to, it makes me feel very good to get response that I enjoy what you do on Free Talk Live because I feel often enough. I feel very much alone in my opinions as far as anarchy goes, because I know they're not mainstream to what most other people think. And so I appreciate if anything, I appreciate that you appreciate that I bring something unique to the table uh, which I think I do. So thank you for those. Anyway, the book of Enoch, let's do it. Uh, you know, we have limited time here and it's a big topic. Uh, the book of Enoch is obviously this comes from the, uh, you know, Judeo-Christian, uh, tradition. And I of course am a atheist um so I don't have any skin in this game if, if that if you understand what I'm saying, I don't need to prove or disprove this book's existence. It doesn't mean that much to me in in a spiritual sense, okay uh, as to where a lot of other people, like a more Christian commentator or a Jewish commentator uh w- you know this could mean a lot to them. Um, full disclosure, I was raised Jewish and I was also raised Christian and at one point chose to be a Christian. Um, and I have, uh, I do challenge my, I actually my my knowledge of Judeo-Christian tradition and texts. I would put against literally anybody on planet Earth. Um, I I was that kind of guy, but anyway. Um, the the Book of Enoch, uh, also known as First Enoch, it's it's from it's quoted in in the New Testament. Okay, it's a Jewish text but it's quoted in the New Testament. There's in, in the book of, I think it's the book of Jude. Uh, there's a point where, where the writer of the epistle of Jude, Jude says, Hey, you know, it's like Enoch said, when they came to get, you know, this body, Moses's body. And so, you know, and, and this happens with a few books in the Bible. There's the book of Jasher, uh, the book, um, the book of the wars of, uh, of Yahweh. Uh, there's, there's lots, there's, Interestingly enough, you know, I mean, a lot of people think that the Holy Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, are complete, but they're not, uh, because the Old Testament references books that we don't have, and the New Testament references books that we also don't have. Um, so, so the Bible is, by its own admission, an incomplete text because there's things missing, um, and the Book of Enoch is supposedly one of these things that's missing. Now uh, you know, it was missing. So what happened? How did we find it? Well, the first way we found it was we found out that in Ethiopia, a country in Africa, okay, which has an interesting Jewish history and Christian history. Uh, but Ethiopia, we found that they had it in their Bible. Their Bible has more books than the average Bible does. Maybe their book, maybe their Bible is more complete. Uh, even though most Christians who you ask would say no. Um, but they had the book of Enoch. But when it got translated from from the Ethiopic text, pretty much everybody like in England or in Europe in general said, it's too crazy. There's no way that this is real. This cannot be part of, you know, the Holy Scripture. It's nuts. There's guys going up like he's going to seven heavens. Um, you know, Enoch is, okay, so who's, yeah, I, I suppose I should even say that. Who is Enoch? Enoch is this character that you read about in the book of Genesis, okay, or Bereshit, if, if you're... if if you like the torah better uh and in that he enoch is is one of these characters in the bible that doesn't die he lives to be 300 some odd years old and then it says he walked with god and then was taken so he didn't die he god took him okay like took him up into heaven that the bible the the original bible not the book of enoch the original bible says this now the book of enoch though is all about enoch's travel to heaven and various prophecies that he sees and, 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 things, things of that nature. And, and it's stuff that he's like transmitting to his children, um, you know, about what's going to happen in the future, what God wants, uh, et cetera. And so, so that's who Enoch is. Okay. Uh, he is a, a patriarch, you know, he's, he's considered a, essentially a saint more or less, um, by, by both, you know, Jews and, uh, pretty much every religion, even, even, uh, even Islam talks uh, talks a bit about Enoch, and so he's a respected guy. Uh, but this book isn't respected. The Book of Enoch, again, so originally about six hundred years ago, in like the fifteenth, sixteenth century, seventeenth century, uh, it gets translated from the Ethiopic text. And Christianity at the time says, "No way! This this can't be real because it's just too crazy. Like they're just you know these these." all these wacky kind of like cherubim and seraphim going around and and it actually also it so accurately tells the story of how jesus died it doesn't mention jesus by name but it talks about you know lays out how he'll be put up on a cross the whole business um so obviously that's why uh, rabbinic judaism doesn't want to accept it either because if jesus is real then well clearly he fit he fit the story here uh, so so you, both sides have a reason to reject this. <laughs> uh, the other the other problem with it that, and one of the main things that people find crazy about it is that Enoch talks about how fallen angels had sex with human women and had children called the Nephilim, which are mentioned in Genesis chapter six verse four. It's a very popular verse because it says there were giant, you know, that the sons of God came down and uh, you know mated with the the, the daughters of men. And they had these giants, you know. They had the or what the the actual Hebrew term is nephilim, and they, they, you know, they had they had these children, and these children like ruled the earth, or they were the men of renown, the great men of old, etc. And that supposedly, uh, not some, but not all, were wiped out in the flood because the nephilim are, are mentioned again later uh, in the book of in the book of Numbers in the Torah. But anyway, so so that's a problem. To say that like angels, because in Christianity, there's a verse in Matthew where Jesus is talking to the uh, to the Sadducees and the Pharisees who were the Jews of their time, uh, a couple of the Jewish groups of their time. And he says, you you know, they're asking him what happens if, uh, you know, if, if this woman dies and or if it's this woman's husband dies and then she marries his brother, then that brother dies and she marries his brother, that brother dies. And what happens when she goes up there? Who does she belong to? You know, who is she married to when she goes to heaven and Jesus essentially says you don't know how it works in heaven you're not given in marriage in. and so Christians translate Jesus's words as saying that sex doesn't happen in heaven and the angels don't have sex so for the book of enoch Enoch to say that they have sex that's a problem because <laughs> that that really messes with a lot of Christian theology okay um, so, so those are a lot of the, the big issues with the Book of Enoch. Um, now, he, here's what happens, okay? So we get these translations of the Book of Enoch, and what happens is, is that not long ago, 50 60 years ago, we find the Dead Sea Scrolls in Qumran, okay, over in the Middle East. And in those Dead Sea Scrolls dated from 300 BCE, 300 years or technically 290-something years before Christ was born, supposedly. You, you find the Book of Enoch. <laughs> Big problem. Now, there's a lot of critical, you know, I mean, people go, you know, that, that like they call textual criticism that they go over where they say that actually the Book of Enoch has three authors and that some of it's from 300 B.C., but some of them isn't. That way they can explain how did they describe what happened to Christ so well, blah, blah, blah. Um, but here's the facts is that the Book of Enoch was real. It was written by Jews and it was written at least in 300 BCE doesn't mean it was written by Enoch, okay? But it was written in 300 BCE. So here's here's the problem with that. <laughs> now I mentioned earlier, okay? Here, here here's the here's the real problem with it. Uh, first off, how did it describe? In my opinion, how did it describe the way that Jesus died so well? It described that so well not because it was prophetic in my opinion it was not prophetic of what was going to happen to jesus it did that so well because the story of jesus is the same story told by the sumerians by the babylonians by the akkadians go down the list of all these ancient cultures they all have like the the goddess ishtar okay when she goes down to saving to save the dying god tammuz her husband um the gods kill her and they put her up on a meat hook a cross okay so all these cultures have the same story. So that's why it sounds very, very familiar, okay, as to how well they were able to, like, supposedly predict what happened to Christ. It's not because they they it was a prophecy. It's because that's just, that's how the story went, uh, generally, with these characters. Now, um, the other problem with it, okay, now I mentioned just a little bit ago, in the first century CE, you had two, at least two, Uh, groups of jews you had the sadducees and the pharisees and the pharisees is theoretically what rabbinic judaism kind of evolved out of Um, then you had the sadducees who kind of didn't believe much of anything and but you also had another group called the essenes the essenes were like a lot of people see a lot of christianities uh like a lot of like john the baptist okay who was a big deal in christianity a lot of people think he was an essene Uh, but here's the problem so you have these three groups of, of of jews and everybody accepts that they existed, that they were there. They were real. They had different opinions on Judaism, you know, on what being a Jew means. But then you have the Book of Enoch, which is different from all three. So you have this rare, hidden Judaism that nobody knew about for thousands of years. Uh, at least a couple thousand so that's the real key what's the big deal about the book of enoch is that it tells it's a very old story and it tells us that there's a completely different judaism that's not rabbinic it's not any of it anyway if you want to know more you're gonna have to ask me again this is the tantalizing this is brian sovereign i'll be right back with more. Launch no! In the third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our
2: last, best hope for peace. It is Babylon 5. Spartans out of here. Return fire. Well, freedom. Freedom!
0: Watch Babylon 5.
1: You can watch Babylon 5 and experience the greatest show in television history. See the entire series completely free by going to the slash shows slash Babylon 5.
0: Software
1: of the Week It is time for Software of the Week, where I cover software that I find... Uh, to be particularly useful or even interesting. And I've said before, at some point, I'll talk about software that might be kind of bad. This is not a bad one. This is a great, great piece of software. The only unfortunate thing about it is that it only works for Windows. Um, Windows XP up, okay? Or I imagine if it works for XP, it'd probably work for 2000, uh, which I loved Windows 2000. But anyway, um, and it's called Easy CD dash da extractor easy cda cdda extractor and it's a it, it's a music a cd ripping program uh it's also a music conversion program and that's the real winner it's there's lots of i mean even itunes can rip cds and it does it very well okay so I w- i'm not recommending this for its features as a cd uh ripper okay Um, even though it does that very well as well, what I am recommending it for is it's audio conversion. Okay. You can put in anything into this. Now this is a pay for program. Okay. Unless you're going to go to the pirate Bay, you know, I I didn't, okay. I did recommend you to do that (laughs) anyway, but you can pay for it. It's well worth the money. Um, and, it, it, right now, they're up to, like, version 16 unless they've upgraded since. I got this back in September of last year. Uh, I've been using it for years, but the newest version I got in, in September of 2012. And uh, Easy CDDA it it can convert anything into anything as far as audio files. You name it. The sky is the limit as far as options. It does it in bulk. You have to see it to believe it. Obviously, it'll be linked to in the show notes at SovereignTech.com or at SoundCloud.com slash SovereignTech and it is I mean, it is awesome you can throw in FLAC files and turn it into an aug file into an mp3 into an aac plus Ooh, what's an aac plus yeah you might want to get into that after you get this program um aac plus is this awesome audio codec it's like mp3 but as to where mp3 to get decent sound you have to do it at 128 uh kbps kbps kilobits per second and but with an aac plus instead of 128 now that 128 number you know gauges the file size which makes at 128 the average song uh is about the average mp3 i should say is at about four meg three to four megabytes with aac plus which you can use to convert all your stuff into and think all services like google music um you know I, iTunes even accepts it now, and it even works on, like, the iPod, the iPod, iPod Classic, which is my favorite iPod. Um, a c Plus allows for you to have the same sound quality as a 4-megabyte MP3 in, like, a meg, 1 megabyte. You cut it in a quarter, okay, because it sounds good at, like, 48, 24 to 48 uh, kbps, and that is astonishing. I mean, if you are looking for, if you're not doing a cloud service to store your music uh, and you do it all locally, you might want to look into getting stuff converted into, into AAC+, Plus. Uh, or it's also called H-E-A-A-C. That's the same thing. Um, but anyway, if you want to do WAV files, whatever, Easy CDA Extractor does all of them. It converts in bulk. It does a great job. Admittedly, I've run into songs where it won't convert them very very rare and in fact the songs the the mp3 files themselves were very rare so i could understand where maybe they were slightly corrupted uh you know if the files were corrupted or um you know because it's just like this kind of oddball thing that i don't know who the heck even like made that mp3 but anyway uh it's a tremendous tremendous little program and it's one of the few reasons i do still keep a windows machine around because I make such uh, extensive use of it. So check it out. Easy CDDA dirt Extractor. It'll be in the show notes. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-Liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM.
0: Brian! Stop
1: playing those video games! Uh, 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 just a minute, Mom. Game Talk it is time for game talk, where arguably one of my favorite uh, parts of the show, where we get to talk about video games uh, in general. You know, it, they're not always like related to uh, you know to how it, how they can set you free, but uh, I think having something to do, you know, getting a nice little bit of a escapism, or even just having fun with friends by playing video games is definitely a big part of having some personal liberty in your life. Uh, in any case sadly this article is not good news (laughs) it is really downright frustrating um, as far as video games go and this is from uh, polygon.com and it's Connecticut town holds drive to collect and destroy violent video games okay I mean I'll I'll, I'll, this is from uh, from February of 2013 I'll I'll make this statement real fast, is that I'm not a big fan of violent video games. You know, I mean, I I think there's a matter of degrees into what's, like, violent. I certainly have a matter of degrees as far as, you know, what I like. Like, am I against first-person shooters? The more militaristic ones, yeah, I don't like. Um, But I don't, if, if like, the, the guns in the game or the weapons in the game are more of the fantastical bent, say, from, like, Duke Nukem, uh, or, or like quake three or something. I'm a little, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not so like standoffish about those. Uh, in fact, I'm a huge fan of Duke Nukem. In fact, funny, real quick, before we get into the article, funny thing, the guy that does the voice of Duke Nukem, um, he, he's actually a pacifist. (laughs) It's just one of those weird things. It's like the actor, if you don't know who I'm talking about, you can look him up on Wikipedia. The actor Michael Ironsides, who tremendous actor, great guy. I've met him. Uh, who he always he, he does these, um, you know, he always plays these really tough characters. He's got this really deep gravelly voice, and he's got this really sullen look, you know, that that makes for a really great like kind of tragic hero uh, or like a commander of some kind. But he's he's like a follower of Gandhi. <laughs> I get such a kick out of that. That sort of thing, and and good for him. I like Gandhi too, uh, big time. But anyway, so this Connecticut town is setting up, a, or they're setting up a drive to collect and destroy violent video games. Uh, we'll go right to the article. A small community about 30 miles from the site of uh, the Newtown massacre is organizing a voluntary video game return program aimed at collecting violent video games from families and likely burning them. The violent video games return program offers up gift certificates in exchange for violent games, music, and movies turned in during an event later this month. The collected items will then be broken and later incinerated by town employees. So tax dollars at work, folks. We're going to make sure all that stuff gets burned. Uh, So it's not just violent games. It's also music and movies. And, I mean, I guess it's good that at least you're like getting something in return <laughs> you know you're getting some kind of gift certificate and anyway, we'll keep reading uh the event is being organized by the southington sos uh, a collective of representatives of southington connecticut community organizations that include the chambers of commerce ymca board of education fire department town officials united way and of course local clergy uh the group was formed in the aftermath of 2005's hurricane katrina as a way for community blah blah all right um their concern is, one of, the, one of the, the main comments from the article is, there are youngsters who appear to be consumed with violent video games. I'm not certain if that's a good thing. There are youngsters consumed with violent video games. Now I'm trying to think, let's see, how did they learn to be, con- what, what made them consumed with violent video games? Maybe it's because they were beat as a kid. Maybe it's because they're seeing war constantly happening all over the place. Maybe it's because the news is splattering violent imagery everywhere and you're gonna blame the video games okay uh let's keep going following the shooting uh this is, the, this is talking about hook elementary as far as the shooting goes uh so- southington school superintendent joe Irardi said that he was flooded with emails from concerned parents asking what could be done to help both the nearby newtown community and their own Okay, so this is all a response to, to what happened at Sandy Hook, an absolute tragedy. No question about it. Um, what happened in our community, very similar to communities across the world, is everyone wanted to do something for Newtown, he said. Uh, the SOS convened and we looked at how do we continue to pr- uh, pray and support Newtown and how do we do something perhaps meaningful for Newtown and our community. At the heart of the violent video games return program, inspired by a similar program kicked off by a 12-year-old in Newtown is the need for parents to have a real sound conversation with their children about video games or tells poly, polygon there are young and then it repeats what i just said earlier about there are youngsters who appear to be consumed with violent video games we're suggesting that for parents who have a child or children who play violent video games to first of all view the games we're asking parents to better understand what their child is doing have a conversation about next steps if parents are comfortable with their child's gaming habits we're comfortable So I'm glad they're at least leaving it up to the parents. But what a disconnect in this organization as to what are the roots of these problems. And and this is what they're doing. And I applaud any any type of thinking, any type of motions and actions, not by a government or by anything that involves tax dollars. But I do applaud a person looking into, okay, what are the root causes of something like what happens at Sandy Hook at such a tragedy? I think that's great. But to somehow think that violent, to to immediately run, okay, no, it's, it's the movie, it's the, it's the movies, it's the video games, it's all this stuff, you know, which can it play a part? Maybe. I'm not so opposed to that, but to not ask the real, you know, it's, it's missing the gorilla in the room. You know, what? Did someone force feed that child to play Grand Theft Auto? No. It made a choice. So let's ask the question, what attracted maybe? If there is actually a problem with violent video games, again, that's up to debate. The question is what's attracting the child to looking to, to wanting to play that and to finding that normal and to not finding it perhaps repulsive. Which is what these these people are wanting it's like no they we need violence needs to stop and we need to, you know people need to to stop glorifying violence blah 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 all is fine if a community you know if a community without a government you know it somehow like think you know has, has that as an overarching this is how we think okay fine but they're not getting at the root at all with this do you, do you see my point in that well we'll keep reading here a little more um, while the return program calls out violent video games, violent movies, and music will also be accepted. Uh, I'm not even really sure what violent music means. Um, that may be the most uh, enigmatic. <laughs> of... I, I know what a violent movie is. I know what a violent video game is. I'm not sure a person's definition of violent music is really. I mean that that's that's like way up in the air because you know I, I know Christians christian bands that like essentially do what's called death metal and are they violent well actually maybe they still are because they're singing about their god getting nailed you know to a piece of wood um but anyway they get gift certificates to go to other stores or whatever uh oddly enough i think they could probably buy more video games with these gift certificates and they may be violent ones but i i talk about it because you know, this whole thing, the violence in video games, it's a conversation that's been happening since I was a kid. You know, since, since the, the late 80s, it's been talked about. What is it doing? And I really... Th- th- there's, again, there's an absolute disconnect there. You're you're not... Let's say it was true that violent video games were somehow causing a problem. What is attracting someone to the idea of violence in the first place? Okay, I have brought up this example before. Of the chimpanzees and the bonobos. Okay, the two species on this planet that are the closest relatives to humans that we know of. And with those, you have one that is exceptionally peaceful and loving, and then you have another one that, well, can still be peaceful and loving, is often very violent. But that being the chimpanzees, is where the bonobos never show violence. What's going on there? Are they just hardwired to not be violent? That's impossible, because they're equidistantly relative. Do you see my point? They're missing the root of the problem. It's not the video games, in my opinion, if there's a problem with violence. This is Brian Sauvignon, and I'll be back with more.
0: Are you searching for a mouth-watering, all-natural, sweet and sticky treat? What if I told you it was also made by a chef who believes in freedom, just like you? You're not dreaming. This is real. Head over to mandrick.com. That's M-A-N-D-R-I-K dot There, you'll find George's Famous Baklava in classic and dark chocolate flavors. Mm. To those with special health needs, George's Famous Baklava also has a treat for you. Golden, delicious, low-carb, gluten-free almond cookies. Order with PayPal or Bitcoins. In just a few days, your sweet treats will await you right at your doorstep. One more time, that's M-A-N-D-R-I-K for George's Famous Baklava.
1: Hacker Stories. Time for Hacker Stories where we talk about some of the real heroes on the planet, uh the hackers of the world. The people that really understand what makes this world go round and round, which is not government, it's not militaries, it's technology. So, uh just a quick note that I want to just bring up is that um, my thoughts really go out to uh we've been talking about kids a lot in in this episode uh there's been at least a couple segments where they've come up, and uh I do not feel particularly qualified at all times to be able to talk about the the you know children and and their and their plight um I personally wish to never you know to not have children myself um that doesn't mean i I harbor any ill will towards any of them of course not uh I was one once and I you know would have liked to have enjoyed my childhood um but in saying that uh maybe I'm maybe subconsciously I'm just trying to kind of help out uh what a a guy that I have tremendous respect for um so my my thoughts go out to to Stefan Molyneux which if you haven't heard I'm sure you have um but if you haven't heard he does have lymphoma he has he has cancer that he is going to be battling now and uh you know so I don't mind as a podcaster to maybe uh you know pick up the bat and and go for a swing you know to to maybe (laughs) help him get it because he talks a lot about about children about parenting and about how you know our past in those regards uh and our present you know can really affect our, our views on society um and how you know helping children can really set the whole world free um which you know i have other plans but i think that that's I think that's certainly valid, and so I don't mind going to swing for him here. You know, with a lot of this, but uh, my thoughts go out to him with that, uh, because it, just a, a tremendous mind in the anar- in anarchist circles, um, and just a tremendous guy. So anyway, let's let's get uh, let's get out to uh, to the story here with um, with hacker stories, and this is pretty interesting. Uh, this does have to do with the government. Which, uh, this is from technology, the MIT Technology Review. Uh, Government lab reveals it has operated quantum internet for over two years. Whoa. What is a quantum internet? Is that like quantum physics? Not really. But anyway, that word quantum gets tossed around so much. Uh, You almost, I mean if if you read a lot of like technology and science papers you almost want to start laughing every time you read the word quantum because it's just like okay can we stop using that to make it sound like it's a big deal or something but uh but i mean this is interesting what's been happening uh and the this byline is a quantum internet capable of sending perfectly secure messages has been running at los alamos national labs for the last two and a half years say researchers One of the dreams for security experts is the creation of a quantum internet that allows perfectly secure communication based on the powerful laws of quantum mechanics. Uh, The basic idea here is that the act of measuring a quantum object, such as a photon, always changes it. Uh, So any attempt to eavesdrop on a quantum message cannot fail to leave telltale signs of snooping um, that the receiver can detect. That allows anybody to send a one-time pad over a quantum network, which can then be used for secure communication using conventional, classical communication. Okay, what is a one-time pad? A one-time pad is actually a really old term. Um, it it was used in, in uh, cryptography uh, many many years ago, like during World War II, and it was a one-time pad was essentially you had like the key, you, you had a pad of paper, okay you would get a message and the cryptographic key to figure out what that message said was based on what was like essentially written on this piece of paper. And that message was only relative to that one, to that one key. And then what you could do is is you could tear out, you know, you could rip off that piece of paper and throw it away and that key could never be used again. So that message, you know, so it was perfect cryptography. Okay. Um, and it works. One-time pads work. And so this is the digital representation of the idea of a one-time pad where, you know, then that, that's where the quantum comes from, uh, is that it changes like all the time. And anyway, we'll keep going with the article. Uh, that sets things up perfectly for perfectly secure messaging known as quantum crypto- cryptography. And this is actually a fairly straightforward technique for any half-decent Quantum Optics Lab. Indeed, a company called ID Quantique sells an off-the-shelf system that has begun to attract banks and other organizations interested in perfect security. These these systems have an important limitation, however. The current generation of quantum cryptography systems are point-to-point connectors over a single length of fiber, so they can send secure messages from A to B, but cannot route this information onwards to C, D, E, or F. Okay, so the problem is why this isn't perfect and why this isn't being implemented like everywhere right now, this, this whole idea that you could have this perfect, you know, perfectly secure uh, message system is that you can only send it. Say you have a computer uh, on the far left of the room and then another computer on the far right of the room. The message can only be sent between a cable connected to the computer A and computer B, and it can't go anywhere else. So you don't have like, so it's not a network you see. Um, it's just like, it's like a null modem connection. It's, it's not, it's not a network at all. So that's why it's not very, you know, that's why it's not being mass adopted right now. Because, you know, if if you're sending a message like to, you know, to say you had five tellers at a bank, you, you couldn't send the same message to all those tellers. You see my point? Okay. Um, one day I'm going to stop saying, I'm going to stop asking my listeners if they understand what I'm saying, because you can't tell me. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Um so that's the idea. But what's what's happening with this? Why, you know, what what's the big deal? Um what is going to come out? You know, there are people that are going to want to start adopting this, governments are talking about adopting this kind of thing. Obviously, they're the ones inventing it. Uh but the real trick is going to what they call quantum routers, which essentially does the same thing. Um as a as a just a quantum uh, connection between the two you know just one you know one quantum internet line one single line that runs from two computers and it can only work with two computers with a quantum router you could do the same thing but then you would have an actual network where you could connect you know five six seven computers up to that one thing and this is coming this is definitely coming um, now my point why bring this up why talk about the this quantum internet um the the gov- that the government's developing the government already has and we've talked about it briefly in the past on the show the government already has its own internet essentially um, they have a couple of them you know one's like of a higher level of security than the other that the NSA uses and everybody always like I've even, even on Free Talk Live when I'm on Free Talk Live I've been asked about this you know can the government really turn off the internet yes they most certainly can they can right now Uh, they have the technologies there. Everybody's like, oh, this, this, this law is going to pass. That's going to allow them to turn off the internet. They're trying to pass the law because the technology already exists. They wouldn't pass the law if they couldn't do it. Do, do Do you, Okay. And so they're developing this quantum internet that will allow for, you know, probably an even bigger net internet on their part, uh, that they can use for themselves. Okay, and so this is where a lot of your tax dollars go, is going. Uh, it has very little to do with you. That's nice if it gets used by banks, um, I guess. You know, if you're into banks, I'm not. Uh, I mean, we kind of have to be. I understand that. So, but this is, I'm, I guess I'm kind of delving into conspiracy, t- you know, territory here. Uh, but this is definitely the internet or the, the government coming up with their own internet to be able to really unleash en masse. Uh, and and use for their own systems so that maybe they can kill free speech. I definitely see that as plausible. Do I think the government's bright enough to implement all of this? Probably not. Uh, You know, I, I think, I don't think they can cover all the bases. Like, the internet, the reason, why haven't they shut off the internet? You know, that's always the question. Why haven't they actually turned off the internet yet? And part of that is, is that there's just, like, so many... There, there's so much so many different things intertwined with the internet now that I don't think they can, they can imagine or plan for every service that would be turned off okay so it's right now it's not in their best interest to do it that's why they're not going to do it you know that's why the everybody talks about the halo the, the 9-11 cyber attack that's going to occur not happening anytime soon but if they got this into place and they thought it out maybe in the future Anyway, full disclosure, this is Brian Sovereign, and I'll be back with more. Oh,
0: yeah! This is Stephanie Murphy, Sovereign Tech Producer. You may know me from this show, but did you know that I have my own podcast? It's called Pork Therapy. Pork Therapy is a bit different from other shows. We cover current events, big ideas, and even relationship issues, all through the lens of how we can get more freedom in our lives. Oh, and you'll love Sex and Science Hour. Join me on my website, porktherapy.com, that's P-O-R-C-therapy.com. Now back to Sovereign Tech. what are you doing? I can't believe I caught you again! You know, Jesus doesn't approve of this little habit of yours. I know, baby, I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. Well, it ain't. But I've been doing it since I was 12 years old. (sighs) It's nothing but a sinful perversion of nature, if you ask me.
1: But, baby, I don't ever want to stop looking at tech websites, new gadgets, video games, software, or any of that stuff.
0: Well, then I'm leaving.
1: Okay. Bye. Pick of the
2: Week.
1: It's time for Pick of the Week, where I get to talk about whatever I want to talk about. Be it, it could be another website, it could be a piece of software, it could be a piece of hardware, it could be a movie, comics, whatever. I can talk about anything I want to talk about. Of course, again, technically, I suppose I can do that anytime uh, during this show, because it's my show. Uh, but anyway, so Pick of the Week I I like the structured format, total design. I, I, I really enjoy it. So it keeps me centered because like we were talking earlier about the book of Enoch, I could talk about that forever. Uh, (laughs) in fact, I notoriously gave a history of the world in about four or five hours one night, uh, to, uh, to a very enthusiastic audience of one, uh, at at one point, (laughs) I think you just heard that audience of one, (laughs) Um anyway so so the the structured format keeps me centered i hope you enjoy it though and, and and that uh and you're welcome to give me feedback on it if you like Um this week my pick of the week is uh is the dildo which was actually invented uh, about 15,000 years before the wheel was invented uh, I'm kidding it, that's not my pick of the week, <laughs> but apparently that is true. And, uh, a listener actually got in touch with me through the G plus page, uh, and, and they, they shared that with me. It was a little meme that says the dildo was invented about 15,000 years before the wheel. And, uh, she kindly said, need is clearly the catalyst for change. And I, <laughs> I guess the dildo is needed before the wheel. Uh, anyway, let, let's get Let's get into my real pick of the week. My real pick of the week is the Amazon Kindle Paper White. Um, I love this thing. Uh, I, I mean, it it was actually a gift. My birthday is on May 12th for those that don't know. I will be 32 years old. Amazing. Um, so but this this was a gift from the uh, lovely and hyper intelligent Stephanie Murphy whom I actually love very dearly and it was uh, just a tremendous birthday present and it is I mean the first word that comes to mind is sexy now of course Stephanie knows me so well it is triple black Uh, the 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 cover is black it comes with a nice she bought a a nice and I'm sure very expensive magnetic cover Um, and it's not it's not a big device by any means uh, not at all it in fact outside of the case the case does add some weight to it but it's worth it for the protection and also the case that covers again this is the kindle paper white okay uh and the case actually works it has a magnetic clasp and when you close the essentially the lid or the cover of the case over it it puts the device to sleep so the case isn't just there to kind of protect it it actually has a really really nice functionality functionality to it um but i mean this this it's smaller than than your average paperback uh hands down and it's lighter uh significantly significantly lighter than than just about any book i've ever held which is an impressive feat for for an electronic device designed to replace it and because i you know, if you remember a few years ago the kindle i never bought any of the older kindles just because i didn't think like that the technology was like really there yet uh now it certainly is um, but any, any of these other e-readers or what they call e-ink readers where the display isn't colored. again, this isn't a ta- this isn't like your regular tablet where it has a full color display. It's black and white. It's meant to as best as possible through technology, simulate printed paper. Okay. Which I think is a really cool idea. Um, and has been, I mean, Sony's tried it. Barnes and Noble has tried it. Supposedly Microsoft's buying Barnes and Noble's Nook technology now. So now Microsoft might be in that game, but Amazon's definitely done the best job so far that I've seen. Um, and one of the problems though, they, that there used to be with these, these readers, um, I did have a Nook color once. I got to say that, but anyway, with these readers, the problem was is that they were huge. You know, and they were kind of heavy. You couldn't like hold them forever. Now, granted, there's lots of books, particularly hardcovers, that are huge, and you can't hold it forever either. So, I'm sure they thought that it was a fine trade-off. But now that they've got it to the point, pretty much to where it's lighter than books, that's incredible. You know, to where you very, very easily hold it in your hand. Or if it's not lighter, it's very of a very comparable weight. Um, so th- this is also this is the really the highest uh, highest end and most expensive of the, of the bunch because it is the three G model. Uh, and it also has no ads. What I mean by no ads is that uh, Amazon will eat some of the cost of one of these by if you let them put in a screensaver on it, and you can't get rid of it, uh, as far as I know. Anyway, you know they'll let they'll put a screensaver on it that works as like an ad system, kind of like Google does, you know, on websites or whatever, where they'll, where they'll put in AdSense or something. Uh, but you can pay like twenty dollars more, and you can make it so that there aren't any ads, no distractions. Not that it distracts you reading. Uh, experience at all. Amazon was very smart about that. But if you do want to save 20 bucks, you can get it with the ads and, and the ads aren't like terrible, but I just, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really care for, care for the idea of them, like just constantly popping up because I know what I want to read and I really don't have to be like recommended other books to read. But that's something that the Kindle can do as well is that it can actually base upon a lot of what you buy, Uh, and this isn't like a privacy thing, but it it can, what you buy, they can like recommend new books to you that are coming out there or maybe of a similar ilk, which is really nice. If you have that feature, I turned it off, but if you want that feature, it's there, but the three G it's totally free three G it's provided by AT&T and it allows you to connect to amazon.com and yeah, you can actually purchase. Like if you want to buy toilet paper off of amazon.com, you can do it from your Kindle from your Kindle Paperwhite, which is amazing. Uh, also, it allows you to connect, obviously, to the Kindle store at any time. It allows you to connect to your cloud drive. That's the main thing that really sold me on the Kindle, is that Amazon actually gives you five gigabytes of free space to upload your own PDF files and Mobi files. You know, Mobi files are, are Amazon book Books. That's, that's the file uh, extension that they have. It allows you to upload your own to the cloud and then you can just download them over 3g or wi-fi every every kindle comes with wi-fi not all of them come with 3g it allows you to download those wherever you are and they download in a few seconds and it's it's amazing Um, so so that's what i really liked about it was that and i didn't have to it doesn't have an sd card some people don't like that like they say oh well the nook has an sd card slot that's better but i'll take the cloud storage you know that's fine Um, and that way I'm not like flipping things in and out of my computer and I'm just, just upload them to the cloud and I can download them there. I like the convenience of it. Uh, the battery theoretically, if with a half hour of reading every day, the battery lasts supposedly for two months, not two weeks, two months. Okay. Uh, I, I put it through some pretty harsh testing over a day and it lasted about 28 hours just running constantly for 28 hours 3g on the whole thing you know uh even with with the light on uh and that's the, that's the other nice thing about the paper white is that and this is this is actually one of the big reasons that I wanted it is that i read a lot okay and obviously the ability to carry you know an entire library in my hand is a tremendous thing to have now i can just do that on my phone on my android on my galaxy nexus i can just have all those books there you know why get a kindle And that's, that's the gaff is, is the, the screen. Okay. The, the e-ink screen has no glare and with the paper white, and this is the only ebook reader I'm aware of that does this with the paper white, it actually has, it lights up. It has a fiber optic lens over the cover of it. And there's like three little LEDs at the bottom, very low level light LEDs that shine into that fiber optic screen and light up the whole page. But it doesn't send the light at your eyes, causing glare like computer screens do, which isn't healthy at all. It just, it it, it back, it's not backlit is the point, okay? It just lights up the page, and it does it so well. And, I mean, I've, I read the other day, I read for a good probably four or five hours on that thing. And no eye strain whatsoever. And that's, I mean, that's tremendous. And it's black and white, you know, this doesn't have, like, the problem of, uh, um, like we're at night, uh, some people recommend, especially people in like the paleo lifestyle, which I'm a huge supporter of, um, they recommend like only going to candlelight um, after after the sun goes down because, uh, you know, like the blue light affects your eyes uh, and like keeps you awake, essentially all the blues do. Um, it's, it's an interesting topic to have. And, and, and it's, it is again, that the the whole science of sight is one of the real reasons I wanted a Kindle Paperwhite uh, is because I, you know, I think it's, it's solid. I, I mean, I remember, you know, being told as a kid about a, a lot of this stuff, um, because like Nintendo, Nintendo, a lot of people think it's funny. Okay. Nintendo with their game boys, they never did backlit screens and everybody's like, why didn't they do backlit screens? Because, uh, Sega came out with the game gear. They had a backlit screen, and everybody went nuts about that uh, because, you know, oh, wow, I can do this at night or whatever. And the reason Nintendo didn't do it is because the Japanese science essentially knew that it messes, you know, with your sleep cycle, these, these backlit screens. Okay, now Nintendo has changed their tune, and now they're doing it anyway. Um, but for the longest time, in fact, when they finally did put a light into a Game Boy, it was the Game Boy Advance SP, was the first time they put a light into a Game Boy. It was the same, almost the same technology as what's used in the Kindle Paperwhite, where it's not shining, it's not backlit, where the light's coming at your eyes, it's shining onto the screen. And I think that's great. I thought the Game Boy Advance SP is probably the best handheld they've ever come up with, even though the 3DS has amazing games, I can't deny that. Um, but anyway, so... So this this is not new science. This is not woo woo science. This is just stuff that people have known. Uh, you know that, that all this messes messes with your sleep cycles, messes with stress. Everybody's. I mean, it's been talked about since the '80s how glare affects your you know affects your your brain, your eyes, everything. Uh, so that was a lot. That was a lot of the attraction to the paper white, in that all those problems don't exist. Um, so it's a very you know. It, <laughs> I hesitate to say it, but I mean, it's like, it's a very paleolithic technology. Okay. Or it's a, it's a very, uh, very human friendly technology. Um, and again, it requires very, very little power. If you're of the, the ecological or green technology mindset, this is probably one of the greenest technologies in the world. And obviously you're saving a lot of trees by not doing the paper. Um, if, if you're into that, I'm, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people of the uh, libertarian persuasion that, that don't like the whole green technology thing. I love it. Okay. Now I'm not a fan of like so much of self-sufficiency and all that. I don't mind that either, but I'm not such a big fan of that, but I am a big fan of the, of coming up with technologies that require low power consumption and that have health in mind, not just ability, not just raw technical or, you know, raw power, but to have actually human health in mind in its in its development and i think the kindle paperwhite you know really excels at that um reading on it is very very easy they've increased the resolution of uh like pretty much like the dots that make up the letters okay the pixel it's not pixels it's actual dots they've increased the amount that it takes and they're only i think uh, the printed page as far as like like ink dots that go down is something like what it's what they call dpi and i think it's about 300 something on an actual printed page as to where on the paper white it's now almost at 300 so you're almost getting the same literal same amount of dots of of ink uh of course in this case it's e-ink but as you would on an actual printed page so great technology it's up there uh as far as space how many books can it hold well that varies but again you can store all of it in the cloud so you don't have to keep all the books on there if you don't want to um but I think it has like three gig of, of space for, um, you know, for books. And it only does books. And that's a good thing. That's okay. Because every once in a while, I like it when a technology that comes out that does only one thing, and it does it better than everything else. So if you're looking for to read books, ebooks, Kindle Paperwhite, this has been Brian Sovereign. You've been listening to Sovereign Tech. And I'll catch you next week. This has
0: been Sovereign Tech visit us at SovereignTech.com. That's sovryn techcom There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later,
2: nerds.